0: So, did he pass out? I, I don't know.
1: Like, in real life, you can't just look at a guy and go, he's a plumber. Well, actually, that guy's a plumber because of butt crack. is showing.
0: Wait, did you guys keep her in a box until now? Yeah, yeah, we did. We kept her in a box with Captain Martin Long.
1: Do you see when I think of a French guy saying it, that's how I hear it? It's like, Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Relics of War podcast, the podcast about Guild Wars, Guild Wars 2, the Guild Wars community on the whole. My name is Ryan. I've been known to go by coal at times in the past, uh, and with me here today to head up this show, I have the likes of, from Death and Taxes, Nike, Nike Foros, am I saying that correctly? That's right. Yep, and uh, we're going to be talking about stats. You know, a lot of people are talking about wardrobe and stuff like that and, you know, being Care Bears and... I'm going to be doing quite a bit of that myself anyway, but we're also going to be talking about ferocity and actual stat changes, a little bit of math. Um, but also with us to head up uh, the Relics of War community side of things, we have uh, Kate. I'm calling you Kate now, not Spirit, right?
0: Duh, yeah, either or. I respond to both, but not math. So you might lose me there.
1: Okay. Um, also, we have Justin, a.k.a. Greibach and Heimerbush. You sound like a beer to me, honestly. <laughs>
2: well, that's uh, I, I could see how that would be.
1: Yeah, basically, if it's German, it's beer. I mean, is that understandable?
2: Yeah, that's pretty fair.
1: Okay. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, for those of you who, uh, there are going to be some people who are taken aback by the fact that we're saying that this is episode 112. And um the last show that was actually on iTunes was episode 57. And then there's others who have been watching the show for the past two years on Twitch and YouTube. And uh, so anyway, basically what's happened is for the past two years, a guy named Eric, or Shongaku, has been running the show. And he's going to be running the show a few more times in the next uh, few months. But... um. Yeah, he was running the show, kind of picked up the mantle for a while there. He's moved on to bigger, better things, so we're jumping back to the the iTunes way of doing things and audio. Actually, we'll be on SoundCloud as well. But if you were watching us on iTunes or YouTube, then uh, just keep in mind that we are still posting content up there, probably some in-game stuff, uh, just you know, freelancing a bit. So, yep, uh, keep an eye on that, and that's, that's enough of that debrief. So, what do you guys say we start talking about this game? We got a lot with that feature patch. Definitely. Big patch.
2: Sounds good. All
1: right, so uh, we're introducing a new segment here called Patch Adams, and maybe I'll come up with a better name for it, but here's your bumper. They're squirrels. They're one of the most amiable creatures on the planet. Oh, no, they're not. On the list of hostile predators, they're right above the bottom, just above baby chicks and slugs. What could they possibly want? Your nuts? Actually, you guys aren't going to hear the bumper right now. I have to cut it in. I'm sorry. It's going to have Robin Williams in it. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll say, i got a boner.
2: <laughs> That's what we should use for patches that we're excited about. <laughs>
1: God, that is a good idea. And now that you've made that joke, I have to work in that whole thing that I was going to cut out earlier. That's pretty sweet. Um, yeah, so let's get started on this. Uh, let's get to the math first. So uh, we've got... The changes to traits, runes, sigils, the whole balance update in general. Obviously, I think we should start with Nike on this one. What do you think about all this? Uh, let's start with the um, the changes to traits with Grandmaster traits and all that.
3: Um, for the most part, uh, some professions got a really good deal, and others got kind of shafted. Like, uh, I think Warrior and Thief made out really well, and Guardian basically got nothing useful for PvE anyway. Uh, As far as PvP goes, that's not really my realm. But for PvE, we uh, didn't see anything new for for Guardian.
1: And what do you think of the, because I play Mesmer, what do you think of what Mesmer got? Uh, Mesmer got the Shaft. Yeah. The uh, power block was pretty cool. I was excited about that. And of course, out of all the bugs that they have, that's the one they jumped on top of and fixed.
3: Yeah, and it's funny because there's a warrior trait, Deep Strikes, that gives you 40 precision for each... Uh, Signet that you have equipped, and it's currently bugged to where you will get to have Signet of Might, which gives you 180 power. You'll get the buff from that, even if uh, you don't have it equipped. So right now, that trait gives 180 power and 40 pre- precision for every Signet, and you get the 40 precision for the Signet that you don't even have.
1: Holy so balls.
3: it's like an adept-level trait, and it's like by far the most powerful DPS trait that a warrior can take right now. It's a little over the top, and it's funny that they went out of their way to fix power block, but they didn't fix that trait, which is obviously just as
1: broken. Yeah, in my opinion, the whole power block thing was bringing back a lot of the feel of the Guild Wars one mesmer, and I don't really see what I see how it affected PvP, um, and kind of made it. You know, it brings up concerns about what mesmer's were going to do to PvP, but it was a good starting point. You didn't have to revert it, although I mean now it's kind of in my eyes a gimmick gimmick. Uh, grandmaster trait now
3: yeah um, it was a little overpowered in pve if you got really good with it people from uh, a lot of like the the hardcore dungeon guilds were making videos of where they were just like completely shutting down lupicus where he wouldn't get off a single move for the entire fight and that was a little over the top i yeah. think they had a video with two mes two mesmers duode lupicus and he didn't get a single attack and they killed him with just phantasm attacks like without even trying so, I mean, there could probably be a, a happy middle ground there somewhere.
1: Yeah, so uh, that that's kind of my take on the Mesmers. For the Warriors, Um, you, we've been going into a little bit about that. Let's talk about a build that you also made. I, I was slating this for later, but whatever, it's an awesome segue. So you had this build for Warriors, and I'm pretty sure it took full advantage of Cleric's Gear and Shouts. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, quite the opposite.
1: But yeah. <laughs> well, no, I saw uh, you in Brazil. Brazil had the Guardian, who was a uh, burn spec, if I remember right. Uh, no. Okay, I'll stop being <laughs> misleading now. So, uh, yeah, I've actually been running your build, and um, it's uh, it's pretty cool because what I like about it is you've got one warrior that's bringing empowered allies, and you're not losing as much damage thanks to the dual wielding Grandmaster trait.
3: Yeah, it definitely opened up new opportunities for the warrior. Um they have significantly uh, more options. And what it was before was that you kind of had one build that was the go anywhere, do anything build, and there was very little variety in Warrior builds. And now you have different builds that are better for different things. So I guess on one hand you can say, oh, it's annoying that I have to respec for different, different types of groups or different encounters, and I can't just have one build that does everything perfectly. But the uh, the flip side is that you, if you enjoy specializing, that you have the opportunity to uh, go in different directions and and play a different playstyle in the in from boss to boss even.
2: Yeah. That and... was,
0: sorry, that was actually one of the things I was most excited about with the patch is the ability to retrade, and I feel that if you are good at your profession and you are retraining often, it shows much more of a, a mastery of the profession than previously.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like with the warrior, if someone says, "Hey, I've got empowered allies," all you really have to do is press minus twice and then plus twice in the top tier, and you're, you know, add your trait. That's not too bad. It makes a good case for having loadouts, though, like we had in Guild Wars One. The only argument I heard against that was that if you're in world versus world and some thief is trying to gank you, he might figure out what your your stats are, stealth, get out of combat, and switch over. But I mean, if he's pretty quick clicker, he's going to do it anyway.
2: Uh, yeah, I feel like that's one of those things where. It's I don't have any problem with imposing some kind of technical limitations on where you can use or change your traits where I, before kind of sort of the point was that you had to be in town and that was the more relevant point than having to pay a minimal fee but it feels like I can understand why that would be a problem in World v. World or SPVP to be able to just sort of blast out everything instantly with a click um, and I feel like a decent solution to that would be just something as simple as you can only do it in, you know, keeps you control or in your, um, so your home node that you um, spawn into the map in or something, because that, I feel like that's at least a somewhat less impactful way of, of nerfing that ability than, than just, you know, throwing it out there. Yep. Um
1: so yeah I guess that's that's a little bit there on the topic of grandmaster traits. Uh, they've also changed the berserker meta a little bit and from what I understand the reasoning is that the disparity between the amount of damage well first we got to say this up front players like to save time and that's going to be a universal just rule. You're going to have like offshoots of that and outliers but for the most part the average player wants to save time. So the highest damage that you can get out of a group is going to be top-notch. That being the case, Berserker was obviously the way to go for pretty much everybody. It was getting to be more and more that way, except for Necros, who just, you know, I'm sorry. But, so what ArenaNet did was they introduced a stat called Ferocity, which adjusted one of the stats called uh, Critical Damage. It was the, it was an increase by percentage on your crit damage. Uh, so uh, who wants to pick that one up?
3: Um. Well... Our uh, original thinking was that it was going to be, uh, when we were theorycrafting on how it was going to affect builds, it was, uh, they, all they said was kind of cryptic, was that it was going to be a 10% change of total DPS. And so the question become, became for us, well does that mean 10% for a fully buffed party with 25 stacks of might, and all the banners, and, and all the, basically every buff that you can possibly bring to a party? Or do they mean 10% for a solo guy roaming around world v. world with, with not especially high amount of buffs? Because that's two different numbers for sure, like in terms of how much crit they have to take away from you to make it 10%. And our our rationale was that most likely they mean they're going to balance it around one guy running around one in world v. world because if they were to take away enough crit damage to lower a groups total dps by 10% it would basically make power builds in world of world completely unusable so uh with that in mind uh we are our, our thought was that it wasn't going to be that big of a deal and it turned out really to not not be that huge of a
1: of a of a
3: nerf at all
1: yeah i haven't really been feeling too held back at all by this whole thing to be honest
0: it's Especially one- the uh, we've been running like mid level dungeons, and the ferocity scaling there makes me feel even more OP than before the patch.
1: And and no shit.
3: Definitely true. The uh, low level dungeons are like like people. There were dungeons that people just literally couldn't solo before, and and now you definitely can solo like can solo paths of dungeons that have never been done before.
2: There's really no. It's more of a systemic design problem with Berserker Gear's stats, then there's there's really no good way to fix it without completely destroying any of the stats for other gear sets. Because it's pretty much the only... I mean, you see this in almost every game that has stat progression that you can choose based on gear... Uh, is that if you include stats that all have sort of a multiplicative effect on each other, if you get one gear set that has all of them, it's exponentially more powerful. I mean, you saw it in Diablo 3 at the beginning with uh the Demon Hunter. You know, it's like, oh, uh attack speed and crit damage and crit percent. And, you know, it's like all of those multiply off of each other and... The Yeah, I mean, the damage grows so much faster when you combine all of those stats together that it's just... It's, it's a really hard problem to fix unless you just completely take those stat sets out of the game, and I don't think they want to do that. Seems to me like what they would have to do, if they want to bring
1: conditions up to par, obviously, is remove or do something about the condition uh, stack cap. But on top of that, also, if they want to make support more viable... You have to make it so that having someone that is supportive on your team, on a good team, make it so that that doesn't slow you down. Again, it's about time. So, um, you know, if you make it so that there's certain damage that's unavoidable, but then that goes against their mantra of play like you want because now you kind of have to bring this. You know, it's kind of either or at this point because if they keep it like it is everybody's going to go for the highest damage so you might be able to get conditions in there but supports kind of hosed until they make that unavoidable damage that needs to be healed up after a little while the one that i'm curious about though is cc that one seems to be or control i should say that seems to be the most viable to me as something that they could focus on next and try to make part of you know um part of the meta i guess
2: yeah, and they've been working towards that a little bit. We've seen in some of the later Living Story patches, the some of the bosses just haven't had uh, stability, or, um, oh my god, I'm completely forgetting the name Defiance. of the other one. Defiant, yeah. Um, we've actually been able to CC a lot more of the bosses, or at least parts of the boss fights, uh, more lately, and that's... Yeah, I mean, it all goes back to that whole thing of if you kill it fast enough that it doesn't get attacks off, then you're effectively doing all three rolls at once.
1: Yep. Um, So what else have we got as far as this goes? We've got these show notes here, and um, oh, there's the uh, mesmer. So they had Empowered Mantras, and what was the other stat? Uh, They got it swapped so that mantra builds were kind of jacked.
3: Yeah, they moved uh, Empowered Mantras to... uh, They swapped it with Harmonious Mantras, basically, so... The plus damage for each Mantra trait got moved to Domination, which is kind of considered a, uh, a weak line for the Mesmer in PvE anyway.
1: So maybe I'm a horrible person and you can comment on this, but this actually didn't affect me too much because I wasn't using... Mon- they just frustrate me. So I was more of the AFK let the Phantasms do a lot of damage while I auto-attack type Mesmer. Um, is that like seriously um, lesser than what Mantras were before all this?
3: Um, well, the the big reason that people brought mantras in, in PvP was because of that trait. Uh, be- because it was one of the few traits that Mesmers have that increases your damage by a percentage rather than like, incrementally. So for Mesmers, quite a bit of their DPS against bosses with projectile attacks was the reflex. And that was one of the best ways to scale your reflex. I gotcha. Um, but for the most part, uh, now... They've really made it so that because it, obviously dueling was the best mesmer trait line, like it it gave precision, it gave crit damage, and it has the best phantasm buffing traits like phantasmal fury, and it also had the best mantra trait. So it was just like kind of a no-brainer to put to go 30 in dueling in pretty much every PvE ma- mesmer build. So now they've made it to where you can't have everything all at once. Like if you want to go 30 in domination for empowering mantras, you have to give up your warden's feedback, or you have to give up illusionist celerity or phantasmal haste, and so you can't just have all the good traits in one build anymore. Which kind of stinks, because uh, other professions do get to have all the good traits in one build.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not like mesmers were overpowered at any point that I could tell, so I'm not really... What... Was there a Grandmaster trait that maybe would have been overpowered coupled with uh, Empowered Mantras? Just trying um, to figure out why they swapped them to begin with.
3: I think they wanted to do it for... I think one reason was they wanted people to go more into Domination because it was a pretty underutilized line. And I think they wanted to have it so that 30 and dueling wasn't a given for every Mesmer build.
2: Yeah, I mean, in theory... Yeah, it's it's one of those things that, in theory, it's better if there's not just a complete no-brainer um if you know if there's actually viable choices so that you actually have to make decisions but i feel like this has gone about it in the sort of the opposite way that you want to where they just they just switched it over there into a place where it's basically a handicap to take that one so you're not gaining different viable build options you're just sort of losing power and that's yeah yeah.
3: yeah, they made it so that if you, for a Mesmer, like for a Guardian right now, the top DPS build in PvE is also the best supportive build. So you get all the good support traits and you're maximizing your DPS at the same time. But for a Mesmer, it's either or. You don't get the best DPS and the best support all at the same build. So that can be kind of
1: a, a negative for mesmer's. Uh, well, what they could probably just do is um, roll a warrior.
3: Uh, yeah, that's I, a lot of the guys who are mesmer main in my guild have have started going. Oh, okay, I'm gonna just get good on guardian because it does everything a mesmer can do and has better damage.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what I did. I was rolling main mesmer, but I played guardian for most of the first year that I played this game. So now I'm going warrior, just you know, for difference in play style. Um, I don't know, anything else as far as math and builds and all that go, or should we jump into aesthetics and Nike? Is that gonna bore you to tears?
3: Oh no, I'm a care bear at heart. I'm my goal in the game is to be top 20 on g- gw2style.com look battles. <laughs> <Or> <laughs> oh, I, just see, I see you, see, you earlier, yeah. it. Looks. You gotta if you can't. It's that's the real end game. Is
2: is look battles and having yeah, the best look. Do we do we want to talk about the um, changes to acquisition of traits for new characters, especially both the level gating and the goals that they have and or the gold costs.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. So that's a good point. Um yeah, who wants to take that
2: one up? Let's have Spirit do it cuz she hasn't talked too much this episode yet and I'm sure she has a few kind words.
0: Right. So I can't talk about uh you know acquisition for new characters because we all know I have 13 that are 80, but you know. Anyway, having 13 That was babies, not exaggeration
1: by the way. Seriously, 13.
0: Yeah, that's the wow. one. Uh I was really excited coming into this because the way they made it sound like we were going to be acquiring traits was sort of like profession challenges, and I'm all about that. I like to play, you know, each profession, and now I have an orn of each profession is not not quite, almost, but not quite. I'm not Ryan. Uh, (laughs) I was looking forward to having meaning to going different places in the open world and, you know, having this sort of rite of passage. Like, I had done this this really cool event out in the middle of Snowden Drifts. I, people probably rarely see it. Uh, it's in a really beautiful location with the snow Necro, and I was going, wow, this would be really cool, cool if, you know, all Necros came here and it was really hard, and there was a sort of conversation between Necros as they were like, oh, how do you beat this skill challenge? I need to do it to get this trait, and so-and-so, and they just kind of bond over doing this. Uh, not so. Not so. Um, each trait has a specific acquisition tied to a larger world event, except for one, which is um, exploration. But it's stuff like Parker Queen, Grunth, Lissa. And not only is it... It's the same for every profession. So it's its turned from this, oh, I get to do this really cool scavenger hunt on all my characters, which I enjoy, to this, oh no, I have to do it... I have to do Grunth how many times? How, I have how to do many? the
2: same... I have to do the same scavenger hunt on 13 characters.
0: Yeah, which is... It loses the appeal and becomes a grind. Of course, I don't have to, you know, go out and get them. I can pay three and a half gold for it, but uh, my bank account can't handle that because I have T3 gear.
2: Yeah, it... I've noticed, um, Vareen over at the Pale Tree wrote an article about it from a new character's perspective, and it's kind of even worse, because I don't know if you've looked at the older traits, but some of the ones at the Adept tier line that you get at 36, I believe, is your first opportunity to get them, which we can talk about the fact that you have to wait till level 36 to get an Adept trait separately, but, um, are... Uh, it's things like oh you've uh, finished ex- uh, you've gotten a hundred percent map completion on Fireheart Rise, which is a level seventy zone, and that's for an adept tier trait. And some of them are just yeah, some of them are just like completely way end game map exploration for this trait, and they're supposed to be for low level characters presumably. And yeah, I don't know, it just it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me because I understand as as Spirit was talking about with wanting to get people out there and doing sort of profession challenges and all that that's that is something that could make this game fun but or make this you know add add some fun to this but the problem is that they've just sort of made sort of the basic default state of the game just take way longer and be way more annoying rather than adding progression so, mm-hmm. I don't know, it kind of baffles me. That's kind
1: of, that's, that's been the, the thing they're stuck on, actually, is they're trying to make their old content interesting. It's like, for example, when they fixed the dredge fractal. We've been doing that for a year. Now that you've fixed it, you fix- think we're going to enjoy it more? Oh, yeah, they didn't fix it. They fixed some bugs that were in a fractal that needs to go.
2: They fixed some bugs that made it easier to get through the fractal? Yeah. And
1: my, my issue with the dredge fractal, I don't know we're off on an aside here, my issue with the dredge fractal is not difficulty. That's fine. It's time. Fractals could take anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes, except unless you you uh, you know, you roll one specific variable, which is the dredge, and that literally doubles the time a lot of the time. That's... I don't know, man. When it stands out like that, something needs to be done.
0: Yeah. Am, I just,
1: am I just bitching here?
0: Uh, you know, you're preaching to the choir. We've, we've yeah. said this billions of times.
2: We don't even have anything else to say about it. We already... Everybody knows how we feel about dredge, but yeah, I I mean the same thing goes with this you can't get traits to level 30. I mean when I when I'm reading all this stuff it it's just making me sort of cringe because I understand their perspective that they want players to feel like a given level is more impactful or like you have progression through the levels, but the problem with the progression before this was that there wasn't like there kind of wasn't enough meaningful differentiation and that doesn't mean that you should take what little we had and string it out over 80 levels because then you're really stuck and some professions hate not having traits like Mesmer and Thief especially Mm -hmm. I mean yeah it just seems like a nightmare to me I don't understand I mean it goes back to some of the things we saw about the Chinese beta you know I think with, with different there's been sort of rumors about different unlock you know for skills you know you can't weapon weapon swap till a way later level or you can't even gain extra skills until a later level and i just i can't even imagine having to play guild wars 2 with only the weapon skills without weapon swapping for any longer than you already have to
0: did not they not even get downstate until level 10 or something ridiculous oh yeah
2: that too yeah it's crazy stuff like like that just blows my mind that is so on what Guild Wars was, Guild Wars 1 and 2. Yeah, it, it blows my mind. I don't understand it.
3: One of the things, I think the concept of having to, like, capture traits, like, especially Grandmaster traits, was a really good idea. I mean, I think back to, like, when Guild Wars 1 launched, and I was on my very first character ever, the feeling of accomplishment when you captured the elite skill from the boss that had it, for the like, for your first elite skill, was really awesome feeling. But I I don't feel like this system necessarily has that same amazingness. No, that not sense. at all. And, and maybe I'm looking at it from the perspective of someone who's been playing for two years, But and maybe if I was brand new to the game right now, capturing that Grandmaster trait that I had my eye on would be that amazing. But I don't know, it doesn't feel like as much of a sense of, oh my god, that was awesome, as when you captured that elite skill in Guild Wars 1.
1: What would give me that feeling, honestly, is if I was able to uh, go out and do an event that unlocked the ability to use utility skills in my elite slot. Then I would be like, yes, I have achieved something that
2: makes that last slot less useless. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that. it goes back to sort of, there's a lot of design reasons why that worked better in Guild Wars 1 than it does in Guild Wars 2, but a big part of it, again, is sort of what we were just talking about, that doing you know going out and finding uh, Galrath you know to get to get your warrior elite and then going to fight somebody else to get a necro elite that's cool but going to fight Galrath on every single profession in Guild Wars 1 to cap the like to cap the same tier of thing that would have gotten pretty old pretty fast because you're doing the same thing over and over again Yeah, exactly. They
1: they could make it so that like the ram in Timberline Falls, you have to go kill him to get an elite for a specific profession. That's gonna feel it gets rid of that grindy feeling, and now it's more of just it's promoting getting out there and finding these less done events and things like that. So I think they kind of missed the boat on it.
0: I will. I'll actually uh, play devil's advocate against myself. Good job, B. I I did like um, that there was kind of an incentive to do these really large group events, and maybe longevity-wise, it'll keep people doing them. I know the temples already give Dragonite ore, and maybe that's enough, but it's kind of cool to have this additional rite of passage. Like I was saying, when you go to ore, like, oh, I can get these traits, uh, we'll all push-listed together, we'll all get these traits, and we'll have grown, and then we'll move on. I don't know. It seems like a, a worthy cause for some of the larger group events, but maybe, again, playing Devil's Advocate against myself, the temple's already done, so
1: mm-hmm we need new content man and by new content i mean like relics of war has a lot of couples right so every time we're like we're gonna go do dungeons they're like who wants to be the fifth wheel it'd be really nice if we could get you know 10 man to 20 man content maybe you'd scale in between there it doesn't matter just give me more than five and i think that would go a long way in getting people to not complain about the fact that we've got to unlock these traits you know in this content that we've already done it's new stuff that's permanent it's kind of like a stagnant stagnant pool you can't just replace a little bit of the water and expect everything to be less stagnant all of a sudden you got to flush it at some point
0: yep
2: yeah i mean what would be a really good delivery mechanism for that do you think i mean (laughs) uh, is there any kind of historical precedent
1: uh yeah what uh can't i don't remember what this is Um,
2: uh uh, togo uh... (laughs) uh
1: dead horse yeah yeah so, all right, they know what we're talking about. Anything else that's uh, more professional before we move into being Care Bears and Fashionistas?
0: Uh, sigils and Runes.
1: Right. Good. I'm doing a great job running this episode today. I'm getting back on my feet. And to be fair, I drank a lot of coffee. And I'm actually, uh, the, well, you can figure it out. Um. So, yeah, what do we know about Sigils and Runes?
0: I can um, put two oh. of them on my longbow, and I don't know what to do with the second slot now. <laughs>
3: Uh, the thing uh, from my perspective that was awesome is that they made before in PVE. Uh, there's basically one good rune set, and that was Scholar. Uh, now, depending on your profession, you might be better off with Rune of Strength. So now they've doubled. They've effectively doubled the amount of viable rune sets in in a PVE gameplay. So that's good. And the other interesting thing is that the Rune of Strength opens up other sigils to be better. Uh, before, uh, it was basically you wanted to run the Force Sigil or the Sigil of Night or or a Slayer Sigil. But if you have Rune of Strength on, it changes the math on like Sigil of Strength or Sigil of Battle. Uh, bef- with Without Strength Rune, Sigil of Battle is worth six stacks of might over time. But when you have uh, Rune of Strength, it becomes worth about nine stacks of might. So that changes the math, and it makes Sigil of Battle more effective. It makes Sigil of Strength more effective. So it's definitely changed a lot of the build options that are out there. In terms of gearing, anyway, it's not the same for every class.
1: We have a lot of guild members. Oh, shoot. So my push to talk is the period key, and I've completely slaughtered the the show notes. Anyway, we have a lot of guild members who are investing. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. It's like I just don't know what to say. Uh, they, they got strength runes before the patch, and I'm not sure why they had done that or anything, but now they are just super uh, stoked about it. One of them is Trevor, who we've got to get back on the podcast sometime, because all if you join our guild, all of the inside jokes seem to stem from him and his flame rams and ruminant tonics and all that crap.
3: Yeah, the strength runes, when they revealed that, it was a, wow, that could actually be really good type type thing, and I know I bought uh, about 18, just because I knew I was going to need probably that many. I wish I had bought more as an investment, but I, I basically bought enough just to use.
0: I wish I had bought any because they've now skyrocketed to 10 gold, and I am a cheap ass, and my ruby orbs no longer cut it, and my bank is crying. <laughs>
3: yeah, I, uh, I bought as an investment, and because I knew I would need some Sigils of Force. I knew with all the two-handers that we're going to suddenly get a second slot, most likely Force was going to be the thing to go in. So I bought a whole bunch for myself, and then I just would put in buy orders for extras. And I ended the patch with about twenty to thirty extras that I'm now pretty happy that they've gone up to like ten gold. Nice! Wow. Yeah, that was that was kind of an easy one to see coming, but the some of the other stuff that's gone up, uh, you could like the biggest margin that I've seen so far was Rune of Holbrook. because it's basically like Strength Rune except the sixth bonus is minus condition duration.
2: Yeah, so I was noticing it's that one.
3: Really good for like a power warrior build in World V World, like a roamer. And those went from like twenty silver to now like a gold twenty. So if you'd bought a stack of those, you could probably buy a precursor right now. So oh, like, yeah,
2: at least.
0: So what is there for us cheap SPV ears now in terms of stats? Uh, t-
1: t- um C O F oh for stats, Sam.
0: Or runes or scissors. Um, as-
3: I would well, I'm a crazy mid-maxer, so I would always say just save up an extra couple days and get scholar runes or strength runes. But if you, like, if you wanted to be somewhat effective and not break the bank, ranger runes are pretty good depending on your profession. Uh, the ranger runes, you get the 7% damage boost as long as you have a companion. Uh, Mesmer Phantasms count as a companion. Um, Ellie Elemental Summons count as a companion, and Ranger Pet does. So those three professions at least can benefit from ranger runes, and ranger runes, or I think are less than a gold each right now.
1: A couple other pro tips to point out, um, with the changes to sigils, having two of the same, uh, stacking sigil on kill does not do what it used to for anybody that, you know, does that. Um, also if you want to stack, I learned this from one of Nike's videos. If you want to stack a certain, um, you know, sigil thing, then all you have to do is put that same sigil on one of your underwater weapons, and then if you, you know, swap out your weapons for terrestrial fight, th- combat, God, the English today. Essentially, if you have the right sigil on your underwater weapon, you can actually maintain the stacks that you've built through killing, um, and then also use like force or something like that on a weapon on land.
2: Are you telling me that my underwater legendary has added value?
1: No. no. Okay.
2: So that we're on the same page here.
1: You know what really pisses me off is that out of all the Fractal runs I've done, the majority of the weapon skins that I got from Fractals were underwater.
2: Oh, that's nice that you got weapon skins.
1: Yeah, that's... well, that's a good point.
3: I've <laughs> dodged a bullet and have never received a single underwater Fractal skin.
0: Well... Me neither! I've, I've
3: had, I've had <laughs> exceptional <laughs> luck, honestly, with skins. Like, I usually get... I never get duplicates, really, and I always get things like Hammer, Greatsword, Dagger, Sword...
0: You so bastard! I've had,
3: yeah, I've had like the best RNG ever.
0: Yeah, Ryan, we're not talking about your RNG and fractals, Mister. I got another uh. box.
2: <laughs> what? Yeah, so good, to explain, good segue for box into wardrobe.
1: Yeah, there we go. Yeah, let's just move on into that and not why everyone hates me. So, wardrobes. As uh, Nike said, by the way, since it's a good segue to it, if you want to participate in the end game, you can go to guildwars2style.com, or if you prefer the Reddit equivalent to it, it would be the Guild Wars Die Job. It's not the downvote city that the Guild Wars 2 subreddit is, so don't be too timid about that. Um, anyway, yeah, so with this recent patch now, they've changed it so that it's it's so much more flexible now to change how your character looks they account bound the dies they have account bound skins now so kind of like your pvp locker used to be now you've got this whole wardrobe full of skins that you've unlocked and you can just apply them um, you guys want to take the banner on this I have drank a lot of coffee and I shall return as a short person
2: uh, I think it's been awesome it's uh, I mean it on the one hand, I haven't actually utilized it a ton, because I sort of was a appearance freak anyway, and so I'd already sort of set myself on all the looks I wanted, you know, and cost be damned, but it's it was a lot of fun, definitely, to get in there and tool around with um, with the wardrobe, especially, uh, just to, I mean, yeah, just to, just to test out things, because it was always such a pain to um, have to open up the auction house, or open up... Uh, one of the wikis that has all the all the item codes and copy paste into your own private channel or whatever, so that you can preview them. Um, also, I've noticed as a side note, if you do call an item into chat, and I think if you just left or right click on it in chat, it just automatically pulls up the preview window, which is kind of neat.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. I did notice if you're at the if you're looking at your wardrobe tab in the bank and you have a preview window open, you can just click on things and you don't have to right click preview every time.
2: Yeah. yeah exactly um and i it's it's kind of nice to be able to preview the dyes um it's i don't know i'm a little bit ambivalent on that but it's definitely sort of added a gotta catch them all sort of vibe to the game where it's you know people are sort of saying what can i do to add these skins to my locker um that you know i i don't know if i'll use them but there's no cost for adding them to my locker so that's
0: it's been it's been
2: a really good change, I think. I think everybody can agree with that. I have a
0: related pro tip for um, the people collecting skin. When you're getting T3 cultural, do not salvage that crap, because you will get one mithril ore. You can actually vendor those back for about two and a half to three gold, depending on the piece, so don't beat me and salvage it, because it's a rare. You're a dumbass if you do that. I found that out the hard way. How much
2: diet did you guys each get from unideeds? In total, probably about 200.
0: I only got about 150, which is surprising to me on one hand, because I was so adamant about collecting all those dies, but on the other hand, not, because I continue to be a cheap ass.
2: Yeah, I, th- I had about 180, which I-, I feel like that's a pretty... I feel like that sort of 150 to 200-something range is pretty, pretty standard for most of the players that have been playing for so long, because I feel like a lot of us sort of had our first main, and then got all the dyes on that main. Or, you know, not all of them, but a ton of them. And then as the game went on and we got alts, then we'd buy a couple dies that we liked for that character and then just go, eh.
0: Yep. So here's the question. Sell the dies or open them?
2: Uh, Hold on to them to sell them later. I'll love it. Yeah. Do you think they'll go up or down? Up. Uh, I think they're going up. Their supply is is fixed. Their supply is exclusively at this point from... Uh, the Laurel vendor, which people have lots of uses for Laurels already. And yes, there's a ton of them getting dumped into the market, but and we can talk about this a little bit more in our Economy Pro Tips section, but the they don't drop. Anytime that you see something that says this will only be available for X or this will no longer drop, it will go up because eventually somebody will want it and eventually that stock will get bought out and like as long as it as long as it doesn't cost in the coppers, it will eventually go up for a profit, and it, yeah, it, it will it will eventually go back up. I would not because if you look at all the dies, all the all the cheap ones, uh, cra- or skyrocketed when they announced how the patch was going to work, and then they crashed again as soon as everybody got a million unid dies. So you'd be far better off to just go through the list and buy all the dies for just pennies on the dollar again, and then hoard your un-ID to sell later than to just pray to the RNG gods, because there's no, say like, your expected value out of them when so many of them cost you know, a few copper is, is abysmal, and yeah, you might get abyss, but odds are you're gonna make, you know, 20 copper opening one. Yep.
3: Yeah, and just the whole wardrobe – going back to the wardrobe, like, the account bound dies was pretty much, for me, the best thing. Like, most of my characters already had kind of, like, the armor and gear they wanted, look-wise. But they most of them did not have Pyre die, and most did not have Abyss, and most did not have Celestial, but now they all do. So it was just the – getting access to all of the dies on all the characters was just really the best part. Yeah, I
0: love that. I
1: feel like such a stupid ass – because on all my characters, I bought Celestial. Pretty much every single one, and then they announce that, and I'm like, "Oh, cool! So I get like five NID dies. That's nice."
2: Yeah, I mean, somebody's always gonna get. I mean, we've sort of talked about it before. Anytime you make a big change, somebody's always gonna get kicked out the door. Um, And you know, know,
1: yeah, if that's what I had to suffer. Suffer through. That's fine. I mean, this account bound die thing is nice. Because now, like the enamel dies, I've loved those things, but I didn't really want to deal with the idea of having to get that one for this character, one for that. Now I've kind of started dumping a lot of money on that, but it's, you know, it's it's going to be there for good. And now I can enjoy them yeah, on any it, character.
2: Yeah, it really adds value to those gem store dies, too, because even though some of them have crashed a little bit, um, they really haven't gone down very much. And the. Yeah, I mean, it's that whole thing. It's like, would I spend 50 gold for this die that you can only get from from the gem store? Well, maybe, but then I have to choose a character, and then, you know, what if I don't like it, and I don't want to dump another 50... I mean, that, yeah, like you said, it, it it really makes those a lot more appealing when you say, this is a really cool metallic die, or this is a really cool cloth die, or this is a really cool leather die, and you can say, I can use this at any time on any of my characters for buying it one time, you know, suddenly that 50 gold or 60 gold or 100 gold might seem more appealing if the die is good enough, whereas before... You know, you. I mean, and the same thing's sort of true with legendaries. You know, you say this skin is amazing, but I have to pick a character. And what if I, especially for us alts, you know, altaholic people, what if I don't want to only play that character with my shiny stuff? And it's, it just adds a ton of value to those things when you can suddenly say, well, I can use it on any of my characters.
0: I have to say, I only have three bolts right now. I added it up when the patch was coming out. And I, was like, I only.
2: <laughs> oh, that's. All. I, I,
0: no, no, I counted kind of it up, and I was like, if I put bolt on every character on my account that has swords, I could have eleven bolts. I only did three.
2: <laughs> Do we want to talk yeah. about that? Because that's as
0: far sur-
3: as I was Go gonna ahead. say. Double dies, like that. That hurts having celestial. But like literally two weeks before they announced the wardrobe thing, I made a second incinerator for my thief. Oh, and oh I, I know. I've had guildmates that did the same thing, and they've put in support tickets, and they've gotten like their incinerator unsoulbound or their second bolt unsoulbound and they were able to sell it and get a different legendary and I haven't got around to doing it yet I, I don't know if I should I probably will but it was it that was one where I was like yes this patch is awesome yes this sucks for me and I just have to like ignore how much it sucks for me and just think about how much better it is for the game yeah that is too
0: net support staff for unsoulbinding those though because I wouldn't expect that from them
3: yeah and it seemed to I've had others in the guild that were turned down for that. So it seems to be there was like a window of time where, had you made your legendary during that window, they would be willing to, uh, un it. But if it was like before or after a certain window, it seems like they're turning down the support tickets for that.
2: Yeah, because there always has to be some cutoff. And yeah, that's, it, yeah, it's harsh. Those are, those are definitely the people that I feel for the most with this. But as somebody who, as somebody who bought two of the same one, I mean, built, you know, um, How do you feel about sort of some people in the community feel that it very much devalues legendaries because they just sort of think, well, everybody's got them now because everybody can put them on all their things. And then sort of the other side is that a lot of people think, well, this adds value to them because, you know, I still achieved it and you're not really going to know the difference between which character I soul bound it to um, from an external perspective. So, like, how how do you weigh in on that? Do you?
3: Um, Well, my thought was like... So, if it was, like, the first month of the game when legendaries were pretty rare, and if you saw a guy in Lion's Arch with a Twilight, you were like, oh my god, that's amazing, let me see that, can you take it out and show it? Like, if it was then, and then all of a sudden the amount of Twilights in the game, like, multiplied by ten overnight, then that would kind of cheapen it. But I think at this point, like, if you've been playing since launch, if you wanted a legendary, you probably have it by now, or you could have had it by now if that was your goal. So, I don't. I mean, they, they're already common enough that I don't think that, that you should be too wrapped up in the prestige of having it or the prestige of others not having
1: it. I think a lot of it hinges on what you value as far as those sort of things go. Like, some people want to be different. So, if you want to be different, yeah, it's obviously devaluing that. But I think the average person is making a legendary because they like the way that legendary looks. And, I mean, you wouldn't see male Norn in Tier 3 all the time if that was really the driving motivation, because there's a shit ton of those guys.
2: Yeah, I mean, yep. it, it's kind of... To me, I don't... It's it's propagated more if if you think of it in in terms of, yes, you will kind of see them more, but on the other hand, you can only log in on one character at a time, and so it's not like there are ten times as many people with legendaries. It just means that if you earned a legendary, it can be on any one of your characters, and from sort of an external perspective... Like, how are you going to know the difference? And you could do it before with T-Stones anyway. Uh, it was just less common, so I don't know. I, it doesn't...
0: I yes. just remember Dr. Legendary.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, if you're
0: not familiar, Dr. Legendary has been a reoccurring character on the show for the last, you know, a while. There's a guy who has spent, I believe, over $21,000 in gems and he just buys Legendaries. And he has... He, at one point had two of each, I believe he now has a full set for each character. And it's again for his wife. Yeah, and for his wife. He just he works overtime. It's a doctor that works overtime at a clinic and then he spends his income on legendaries and we call him Doctor Legendary because it sounds evil.
1: Could you imagine if he was your doctor? You could, like, when he's doing surgery or whatever, you could talk to him about legendaries. I don't know what I'm saying.
2: I'm totally imagining him like uh, Guildwar Lockhart from Harry Potter. Like, you know, hello, I'm here to diagnose your problems, and I also have every legendary.
0: <laughs> Ding! <laughs> and then he walks out of the room, shiny and he's smile. got like, these shiny footsteps. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, are you leaking metal as you walk?
0: <laughs> he bought so many legendaries, he got footsteps IRL. <laughs>
1: So what do you guys think about the? Uh, let's see, we've talked about wardrobes. What other parts of there are there here? The show notes are not very elaborate, so I apologize, people. Um, one thing I would like to see is the ability to save a certain set as a. And this is a. This kind of goes hand in hand with what I'm looking for for traits is the ability to have templates also. So if I'm switching my uh, traits out so that I'm one build, it'd be really cool if you could also simultaneously load up certain equipment also to match it.
2: Yeah, I mean that sort of goes. I mean, this is, I guess this is sort of a related but separate point, is something that we've talked about for something that would really add value to Ascended Gear to us would be if they had some sort of system similar to how you can unlock things in the wardrobe, if you could basically graft onto it additional uh, gear set stat options. Wow, that was kind of a mouthful. Um, So that you could sort of build up to a legendary ability of swapping between stats by basically making different sets stats and adding them to weapons and or armor that you could switch off between the ones that you've added. Which, yeah, I I mean, that would sort of go to that idea.
3: One of the ideas that uh, has been on the forums on and off that I definitely would like them to do is add, like, a sigil library to legendaries, the way that they have sigil or they have stat libraries. So you can just double-click, and while you're picking your stats on your legendary, you can also pick what sigil you want on it. I think that's not a crazy unreasonable thing for them to implement, and it would make having a legendary rather than having another weapon that you've turned into a legendary on the wardrobe have a little bit more value. Just out
0: of curiosity, yeah, yeah. A great idea. has anyone... So with the last patch, legendaries and ascended gear has become account bound. Has anyone been making real use of that? for fractals like, or for stats. anything? Yeah, have you been swapping yeah, it I... between your characters for any reason? My um, fractal back
1: no. piece, that's all.
2: Uh, I might, though, because I don't... I, I got sick of fractals, and so I don't have that whole bank tab full of ascended rings like a lot of people do, and so I might switch my Zerker rings or my Condi rings if I do ever do condition damage on something other than a Necro um, between my characters if I just decide that I feel like doing fractals on on a different character so i haven't but i can see myself doing it for the ar yeah way up front i invested in
1: uh er, when the agony resist items started uh dropping the first thing i did was make a plus 10 and i put that in the back piece because once i found out that you will be able to swap them between characters i saw that as an easy way to just send a lot more agony resistance between each character if i wanted to take them into fractals You know, there's no limitation on which, you know, back pieces certain professions can have on, so... Um, all right, so let's talk about the mega-server system first, and we'll go into the PvP rewards. Um, so mega-servers, because we just did guild missions last night. What have you guys... Um, overall, I'll say this. I do like the mega-server system, but they need the ability, like in Guild Wars with the district selection, you need the ability to actually go to any mega-server that you want, because even if you do ferry each other in, you might still be stuck with another guild that's trying to do the same Quaggan challenge that you are. We all know how screwy that is.
3: Yeah, and I kind of like the new like strict schedule for the the world bosses. Like that works pretty well. Uh, you can and you can always be sure that you're going to that it's going to be there, and you can you can kind of plan it out. The thing I don't like though is the way the temples work, because for me, like temples became like the only Dragonite world bosses I even bothered with because you always got thirty, and they gave the best rewards, and so. Now it's kind of hard to find the temples because they're not at sc- scheduled times, and you can't just look at your at like a, a website that tracks the events to see whether the temples are running. So it's not uh, very user-friendly, and I haven't actually been able to do a temple event yet. And it's kind of hurt because I wanted to unlock the uh, Grandmaster trait that you get from doing the Grinth event. But it, the ten, like, I just don't know how or when to get the timer there, since there you can't track it on the websites anymore.
0: Yeah, especially they're always pushed too. You can't just you know get a group together and say, hey, let's go push the temples. They're constantly pushed because everyone is trying to get these new trades. Yeah, that's kind of one of those.
2: I, th- yeah, it's. I feel like it's kind of a nightmare with how like as a consequence of that because it's just. As much as they would like people to quote-unquote go out and explore, it's a flippin' nightmare to have to wait for a specific event that you have no way of knowing when it's gonna happen, and it's just not fun to sit around and wait, and just wait for it to pop up, and it kinda goes like completely against exactly what their message was at the beginning of, we don't want you to have to wait to have fun, and that's... yeah, anyway.
3: My, my thought for a solution on that was most of the temples now like have a defend event, so you could actually sit there and, if you wanted to, defend it and keep them open 24-7 and ha- never have the event spawn, which I don't think anyone has tried to do that as a troll yet. But in theory, you could do that. So what they need to do is get rid of the defend event and just have it automatically lose control of the temple after X amount of time. That way they can have the temple starting event be at scheduled times. So you... so you know that at 1 p.m. Grinth, the Grenth event chain is going to start and you can join in. And you know that it'll be open until 1.30, and at 1.30 it goes back to being contested and you won't have a chance to go back for another two hours.
0: To my knowledge, and this, this is just hearsay from one of my guildies, I, I haven't been there personally so I can not attest to this, at least Grenth participating in the defense event will unlock your trait for that temple? Um, I believe it's not the case with Lissa yet. Really? Yep.
1: Oh, that's, the polish is uh, top notch once again.
3: But otherwise, I think the mega server is overall good. Like it was just nice. I went to Brisbane Wildlands to farm iron rich iron node today, and there was just tons of people running around. And I mean, just that little bit of humanity was uh, very
1: nice. A little bit of humanity. Go to of Sum. That's a lot of it. Yeah.
0: It's really nice for spontaneous things. My only gripe is when you want to coordinate, it's a pain in the ass. Yep.
3: Yeah, our guild missions are tonight, and I haven't seen how that's going to be. Because it is, like you said, annoying enough when you do the puzzle and another guild is already doing it. And I imagine it's going to be much more common now. To have another guild already there doing it while you guys are waiting to go.
0: Did we? I think we had. We got there. There were two guilds already in. We ran it with three because we usually coordinate with a couple other guilds. And then by the time we were in the maze, there were another guild or two entering already.
1: That's one thing that um, you know. Black used to run our guild missions. That's one thing that was a brilliant idea was to get involved with other guilds, and I would recommend anybody on any server actually try and do this even if you have to be the one that spearheads it, get involved with the other guilds on your server. That's going to help you a lot because then the guys that got the same puzzle and all that, they're going to talk to you about it and you can actually kind of decide on a time that works for more of you. It's a lot less conflict to deal with in the end.
2: As a side note, uh, Nike, I don't know how diverse your guild is in terms of people from different servers being in the same guild. Um, it does look like if you're in a mega server, you don't have to guest to get into that server with them automatically, but... But if you don't guess, you won't get the reward for doing the guild mission, so you have to guess anyway.
3: Wow, that's pretty funny. Yeah, I assume it's
2: just a bug that was an unintended consequence, but we ran into that last night. So, does anybody hear PvP enough to talk about the
1: reward track system? Because I haven't actually messed with it myself.
0: I played a little PvP. I got my butt kicked. I, I, I do dabble from time to time. I play with a friend of mine who is a dragon rank and I'm you know, either a rabbit or a stag, depending on which account I'm playing on. Uh so I you know, I'm not particularly successful. But the, the reward tracks are nice. Um in terms of I can see that I will get a reward when I get to a certain point. I will say from from the perspective of somebody who is really, really well-established in PvE, that the rewards for starting PvP are entirely underwhelming. Like, I would open up a chest, and I would get a garnet pebble and a mushroom. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. And so uh, it, that part didn't keep me around. But I, I had just started the, the Arrah track. That's the one that's on rotation this week. Um, I've got a couple Tomes of Knowledge. I've gotten... Uh, Actually, I don't think I've gotten any skins. It's mostly just champion bags. Um, it hasn't been any really interesting loot yet, but it's nice to have... This is something I've been advocating for in PvE, so it's really nice to have a set goal with a method of progression that's not acquire currency, because I'm so sick of saving up gold and spending it, saving up gold and spending it, and saving up gold and spending it, and that's the only way to get things that I want. So having an alternate uh, method of acquisition is really, really nice.
3: I do PvP a lot. I usually do a couple solo queues a day just trying to get my champion titles. And the, the rewards are kind of underwhelming. But the reward for me for PvP has always been the champion profession titles and the rank finishers. And those, are, well, at least the rank finishers have gotten easier to get just with the fact that they've lowered the amount of uh, rank points you have to get to level up so it's gotten easier to get the cooler finishers. Um, as far as the loot goes, I mean, if I cared about loot quality, I'd go run dungeons or something.
1: Oh, yeah, Spirit and Christian last night tried to screw with me. We finished COE. And uh, well, in the fractals before, there was a two-week span there where I got four or five ascended armor chests. I mean, talk about RNG, it's Feast or Famine, because before that I never got anything, and I've been doing them for, well, since fractals came out. But anyway, so... It became this thing, what did Ryan get this time? So I started linking from the wiki every time, and they'd be like, oh my god, no, I didn't really get that. So last night we finished COE, and she and Christian tried to link um, a couple of ascended chests and uh, weapon chests uh, to try and fool us, and they actually had me going for a second, but I'm yeah, like...
0: I was going to say, you said tried, but he no succeeded. Way.
1: No, that was Trevor. You had Trevor going, but I said, are you guys up to Trevor something? Trevor was
0: in on it. Yeah. He was?
1: Oh, he was trying to fool me. That bastard. All right, so I guess enough of that. Uh, let's talk about let's uh, so let's help the newbies a little bit. This is Togo Soapbox. Can you it boss? Ah, Togo, I just want to get through this already. Shut up! All right, so if you're just starting out, and I apologize to you, person who is doing this, um, what could you do to level the fastest?
3: Unfortunately, the answer is the Queensdale Champ Train.
1: Yep.
2: Yeah, that's probably true. Well, technically, well, yeah.
3: Yeah, not your It rate. teaches players the worst habits to develop in the game, and it's sad that it exists and they haven't nerfed it, but it is honestly the best way to level a new character. And if it's your alt, uh, then you're probably happy for it, but if it's your first time through the game, it's kind of a sad that like, first-timers aren't leveling through world exploration.
0: Yeah, if you're, if you're a first-timer, I would definitely say the fastest may not be the best i would lean towards world exploration but if you are a if you've got alts if you've done it once then yeah definitely seek maybe some alternative methods of leveling
2: yeah and dungeons are a really good way once you get that um once you get to that level because and there there's dungeons at every you know set number of level intervals after 30 i believe uh, and dungeons give you a substantial amount of experience and a not not insubstantial amount of gold for a new player. And you basically get almost a full level for a dungeon run or a full level, and it doesn't take that long to do most of them. So that could be a good way to, to gain some levels once you get into the middle levels.
3: Yep, and if you have a group that'll listen to you, you can always run your level 80, and at the end, right after the boss dies while the cutscene's going on, switch to your lobby character, bring the lobby character in, and have somebody watch the cutscene and not skip it to give you time, and then when you come in on the lobby character, you'll get the XP and the gold and all that on your lobby. Yeah,
0: that's what I've done. Although I have
1: yet to see that work in Citadel of Flame Path 2. There have been a couple times people are like, oh, crap. Yeah,
3: some of the paths are harder than others to do that, but uh, like COE is super good for that, and AC is super good for that.
1: And that's what's real nice about AC is it's easy to get to for the newer characters. Yeah,
2: it. I mean, it is the first dungeon chronologically speaking
0: and it rewards the most money and it's one of the easiest but dungeons i have lots of feelings about dungeons
1: (laughs) do you want to elaborate
0: no it's not the time
1: that no, was not the time. All right. Um, so that's going to be a segment. It's always been a segment on this show. But if any newer players have any questions, feel free to send them in. You can send it to relicsovor at gmail.com. Uh, we love to use user you know, feedback as kind of the launch pad for the stuff that we do on the show. Uh, but having done that, let's jump into the pro tip sauce.
2: Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things?
1: Excellent. Let the people have their pro tip sauce. So, there's a build recently that when I first saw it, I thought we were getting trolled, because it is April still. And, um, it's called the Fire Staff Ellie. Um, basically what you do is you, you go all the way down you, the, the fire tree, and then you simply camp on the fire attunement and keep casting Lava Font. Um, it's actually a little more involved. You can use, if you've ever used a Fiery Greatsword, um, if you don't have auto-targeting on, and so you have no target, you can actually rush something that's against a wall, and the amount of damage you do is just absolutely ridiculous, and I hope they never uh, nerf it because it's so much fun to do. But with that staff, you can also use the number four skill, just face the opposite direction, and then you can also you know, rush somebody into a wall. And it's not the same amount of damage, but it's pretty nice. But altogether, this build creates a lot of might for the group. It does a lot of damage. The only thing is you are going to be sauce. You're going to be very easy to kill. Um, but um, th- there are ways around that. And uh, Does anybody else want to talk about this build? Have you tried it?
3: Yeah, um, it is literally the highest DPS build in the game, all else being equal. Um, you and... It, as far as LE builds go, it's not only the highest DPS, but it's also the easiest to run. Because, one, it's ranged. So if you're not comfortable it, meleeing bosses, if you're just starting out and you feel more comfortable ranging, it's the highest DPS build in the game and also ranged. So it's definitely uh, makes up for the squishiness in that, that you don't have to be right on top of the bosses. Um, but that said, it's also the most boring build in that you're just using lava font on cooldown and auto-attacking. Uh, of the time but it's a great build and I'm not a main Ellie so when they need me to run Ellie in a dungeon run I can play that build and do it reasonably effectively uh, and not feel like I'm holding the group back by not knowing all the crazy Ellie damage rotations that are normally a part of like an Ellie scepter build
1: the one place I really liked it and I saw that you had done it too um, but one of the first places I tried it was the clown car in dredge that was very helpful
3: yeah, it, it for it makes even if you're running some other Ellie build, if you just respec for traits at the Clown Car for staff, you will be doing your group a big favor, because at the Clown Car, one of the most annoying things about it is that the Clown Car has a hitbox of its own, and your melee attacks that you're trying to hit dredge with will hit the Clown Car and get absorbed, and you won't actually hit any of the dredge. But for whatever reason, the lava font will st- and the meteor shower and and all that will actually hit the dredge. So adding a staff Ellie for the clown car makes the event happen probably, I'd say, just napkin math, like 30% faster.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, yesterday we did a level 37. Um speaking of the reason we did 37, I'll put this in the show notes. There was some research done. A few guilds put together their um their spreadsheets showing what they got out of fractals and it is appearing and I'm always open to be corrected, but it's appearing that if you want to actually get loot from fractals, you might be best off going in the range of 31 to 40. With that being said, we did a 37, and I had been switching characters a little bit, but for the clown car, I switched to my Ellie explicitly for that, and people were like, what the hell are you doing? You're going to get gibbed. But we burned through it, and my wife was actually pretty surprised. She was in typical form, thinking I was being a dumbass.
3: Yeah, it's just it's super good uh, for for that particular event, and and for other events in fractals too. I think it's just a really fun build. And easy to run. I definitely recommend it, especially if you're just picking up Ellie for the first time and want a build that kind of is easier to learn, easier to get into, and still very effective.
2: Seems like it'd be good in World v. World, too.
3: Yeah, the full Berserker, Staff Ellie, World v. World backliner is a pretty powerful thing. When you're Zerg v. Zerging and you're off to the side and you just drop a Meteor Shower in the middle of the enemy Zerg and the Meteors are hitting for about 13k each in massive AoEs... It uh it thins people out pretty well.
1: Holy crap, I didn't think about that. I'm going to do world versus world as soon as I get off here. And,
3: and I mean, if you get hit, you die because well, yeah. you're a squishy Ellie, but if you can stay back and drop your meteor shower and then run away, you're going to get a lot of kills.
1: What's also nice, you can quickly swap to either air or earth, and you can even like keep them from following. Not that they don't have blinks and crap, but you know.
3: Yeah, and hopefully just in the organized chaos can just managed to avoid anything
2: unfriendly happening. Plus, in World v. World, now you're uh, World XP's account bound. Yes!
0: So. I gained 30 Nicely levels. Done. Which yeah, is big I, for uh, me, because I'm only level I 73. I gained 20.
2: Yeah, that's about where I am, too.
1: Wait, do you have to like lo- go into World vs. World on all your characters or something?
2: Nope. No, they should all have it. Just it just happens right away? They all okay. have it, yeah. I think it was a great change, because I'm definitely one of those people that... I just picked a World v. World character once World XP happened because I felt like I would be wasting my time on starting over on their World XP and so if I didn't feel like playing that character then it meant that I didn't feel like playing World v. World and that kind of sucked and so this definitely, I had a lot of fun going back in with my Necro or with my Guardian because my World v. World character is my Thief and yeah, it's it's a great change. But
1: Speaking of Thiefs, uh, Spirit, you wanted to Lament your thief elites?
0: Uh, yeah. Just, I... So, in this patch, they made Thieves' Guild available underwater. Yay. Because Thieves' Guild, but underwater. Um, having run with a whole bunch of Ellie's lately, we are like, Ellie's have really caught on in our guild, and we're like, yes, Fiery greatsword. we fight over it, and Ryan is butt, because he always steals it. But... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm lamenting the fact that I there's no elite that I really get excited about using, right? I've, I haven't touched a dagger storm in months, because if you use it on less than like three or four enemies, you're doing less damage than an auto-attack on a sword. You are reliant on the AI for Thieves Guild. And now Basilisk Venom, as of this patch, does not cut through Defiance. So, I'm basically what? a wet bus ticket.
3: Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the 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 basilisk basilisk venom working through defiant was really good, uh, especially against like Mytrin in fractals. When she got into the the blue debuff, you could basilisk basilisk venom her in it, and she wouldn't move, and she'd lose all her stacks. It was great. And they've kind of taken that away. Now you have to be. You can still do it, but you have to be in a very organized group that can go. Okay, let's remove three more defiant stacks. Okay, we got the defiant off. Now don't put any more on until the thief is ready. Yep and not many groups have that enough organization to be able to pull that off consistently. But it's been said, the best the best elite skill in the game for a thief uh, is Fiery Greatsword.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. There's even traits that encourage it. There's a trait in the power line that ups your damage by 10% when you're holding a bundle. So.
3: Yep, improvisation. Make A thief with a Fiery Greatsword is the highest DPS in the game because of that trait.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited because I have it now with the trait swapping stuff.
1: Well, my argument used to be, though, if I got three duelists up, those guys aren't going to get killed. So then I could take the fiery greatsword and do quite a bit of damage between the two of them. How would that compare? Because I want to win this argument. You got to help me. Um.
3: Well, I hope you have empowering mantras because, Damn it. and because uh, you're going to need it to, to win that argument. And you're going to probably want to have at least three mantras up. Hey, hey, Ryan. To
1: compete with a thief hey, on Ryan. that.
0: Your wet no. bus ticket.
1: Nope. Mm. Oh, that, I'm hurting. Well, right now we kind of are a wet bus ticket. It, for those that are not in the know, this is something that Christian uh, insists is a New Zealander thing. And then he started a blog and wrote an article so that he could populate Google with anything regarding wet bus tickets, meaning something that hits l- lightly. Is that about right, Spirit? Yes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, so uh last segment is Plug It Into Place. I'm probably going to change the name of this. I was just throwing oh, something it's not down. Cast, cast? But this is... Cast cast oh cast right
0: cast the podcast within the podcast the podcast about the cast of other podcasts and stuff cast of other podcasts
1: very good um but we're not we're not plugging in another podcast no! so does it still work
2: it doesn't matter it's
0: yeah it's, it's just the community just segment.
1: segment I'm all for it making fun of cast casts or you know anything that ends with cast because we're a podcast
2: the problem is that we can only do it when spirits here because she's literally the only person alive who can say it hold on I can I can give it a shot um not
1: right now because I don't have it mm-hmm. in front of me but I'll I'll learn to do it quickly auctioneer style.
2: Going once, going twice. Here's a cast. Another cast. Another cast within a podcast. Cast!
1: Very good. Um, So the first one we're going to link up here is for those of you who are looking to... uh, Right now, this is really important, too, because everybody's trying to come up with build ideas and things like that. So to start off with, you have gw2buildcraft.com slash calculator. And uh, that's for min-maxing. I know a few people in the guild are using it because it actually does math for you. It shows, you know, actual power, uh, effective health, and stuff like that. Um, a couple other links here. Does anyone want to comment on BuildCraft?
3: Um, just be careful. I don't know if they've updated their stuff for new tra- for the traits that have changed. I'm not sure that's when good their point. last balance uh, update was. But yeah, it is great for breaking down uh, the, the pa- effective power and effective health of different builds. But I don't think they have the new traits yet.
1: Now, does Into the Mists have it? They do. Into the Mists was the first to update with the new traits. Okay. And the difference there is that this one actually allows you to write up how to use the build and things like that. So in a way, it's a, if you're going to look up a build, you're probably going to like Into the Mists better. If you're going to develop one, you might want to make it on GW2 Buildcraft, then put it on Into the Mists. That's yeah, definitely. when it updates.
3: Yeah, the best use for Buildcraft is to go, okay, I want to play a Guardian. Which of these two builds is going to give me the highest DPS, but having a certain amount of toughness that I want? And you can play around and look at the numbers and compare them and go, okay, I think I want to go with this, and it will let you tweak stuff. So Buildcraft is great for yeah for brewing up something
1: new. And then we've already plugged uh gwtstyle.com, but with the wardrobe release, you're probably gonna look at this. Um it's good for ideas, just getting ideas on you know how to set up a wardrobe. There was a while there actually where I had a I was on Twitch and I was taking requests from people. They'd send me a screenshot of their character and they would say, How do I make this character look cool? So then I go to the PvP locker back then. And I'd start just trying stuff on with a character that I made to as closely duplicate them as possible. It was actually doing really well. People liked it. So I'm thinking of starting that up again now that especially this wardrobe thing's such a big deal. And so keep an eye out on that. Again, I'll just start putting it on Relics of War. But the name I had for it was C-SPAM. I'm trying to remember what it stood for. Coles Super Pro. Also Macho. Uh, I don't Something remember. like that. Yeah. Anyway, I'll start that up again, too, just so uh, people have at least a reference and they can send stuff in. Um, on Guild Wars 2 Style, they also have an option to um, ask for help. So you're not just posting it to see how if people like it. You can actually post it and say, I think this looks like balls. Can somebody help me uh, make this look better?
0: And also you can participate in the true end game.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least until we get more than five-man content. Am I the only one that's harping on that nope. really hard?
2: Nope. No, we've just said it so many times. I feel like we don't want to be uh, too big of wet blankets because we our, our opinions are fairly, fairly thoroughly stated on yeah. that.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm trying to like get everybody uh, acclimated to the things that you've probably talked about most on that show, um, because there are going to be people who are hearing this for the first time since episode fifty-seven. It's a nice balance we have to achieve. Yep, yep, yep. But I guess. Uh, haven't done all that, uh, keep in mind that if you want to watch the the shows that have happened between then and now, go to Relics, Relics of War's Twitch. It's just twitch.tv slash Relics of War. Or we also have our YouTube channel, which is right there on the main page at Um If you were a video watcher and you didn't know that we had audio shows before, what was it, 58? Then, uh, yeah, go on iTunes. Just look up Relics of War. We're on there. And I'm pretty excited to be back. So, all right, we're going to do contact info and sign-offs. So, relics—I've already given you the website, com. You can send us an email at at gmail.com. I have no idea if our phone line's still working, so I'm not going to pimp that out yet. But as soon as I do, I'm sure we'll get a call from Captain Martin Long. And uh, what else have we got? We're on—we're on Twitter. So just look up relicsavoir, and I think that about covers it. Yep.
0: Yeah? yeah, for us. Yeah.
1: Little bit of, I started to go stewy there. Uh, got a little bit of Twitter. Is there yeah.
0: anything you want to pimp, Mikey, in regards to what you do or websites you want to pimp?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, our guild website is dtguilds.com. And from there, you can find all of our guild's Twitch channels and YouTubes. And no matter what profession you play, if you're interested in dungeon builds or fractal builds, you can find guides on YouTube that are very thorough and will tell you more than you wanted to know, even. And, uh, you can find our Twitch channels on there and follow follow us and watch us play on Twitch.
1: Yeah, so if you've been looking for builds on places like subreddits and uh, Guild Wars 2 Guru, they do post there quite often, but if you go to the YouTube... I mean, YouTube would be the best way to keep up with you guys, right?
3: Definitely. That's going to be the first place we put everything.
1: Yeah, so if you can, hit subscribe on that. Um, I'm not just doing this because, you know, everyone says to like and subscribe stuff. You're seriously going to stay up to date on what's most useful on your professions that way. All right, then. Um, I guess we're going to end this. I've forgotten my Wheel of Morality, so we're going to do it anyway, and we'll put um, Justin on the spot. Wheel of Morality, turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson that we should learn.
2: Oh, Jesus Christ, I've never done one of these, <laughs> and I haven't listened to one in so long. The lesson that you should learn is that you should always listen to Relics of Ore so that you don't get put on the spot like me. Right. I, have, I assume most
1: of you listened because you were subscribed, but if you haven't been, then go ahead and subscribe to us. We'll be on again next week. It may be Shongaku or myself hosting it up, but, uh, yeah, we will be very common again for your ear holes now and not just your... I Sockets? Su- yes. Very good. All right. Take care, guys.
4: Yeah! Let's talk about some guild wars. What's this here computer-rating the bass? Let's get the intro going like we should.
1: Podcast. Oh, this is Martin Long. <laughs> <laughs>
4: what, why isn't that on the banner? That's stupid. Why doesn't it just say, yes, jump, no subscription?
1: Maybe it has something to do with their underwear.
4: Wear chase taste, damn it. So, just to confirm, there's toxic baby diapers in Guild Wars 2? Yes. And cool, <laughs> okay.
1: So everybody's smiling, whether you're in cosplay Sailor Moon underwear or not. Maybe you should not be a noob. <laughs> yeah, I'm covering that. But ArenaNet went and screwed up, and they hired awesome artists and really good writers, so people <laughs> that play the game are like, wow, I'm into this story. And it's already
2: over.
3: I'll be like, I don't need that because I am Norn.
2: I do know that
0: Guild Wars works with wine.
2: Wow,
4: Tiger's a juice freak. She sits there getting half cut while she's playing games. No, so do I, especially in the bedroom. So the next question is...
1: Um, <laughs> Hey Nubcakes, check this out.
2: Boom, I'm a shadow.
1: Tom Cools. What kind of a last name is that? A cool name. That's a cool one. That's pro.
2: Yeah, you
4: just wait until in Guild Wars 2 there's gonna be like this lowly little character that lives under a bridge called the Singleton. Who has the privilege of being relics of all? Some nubcake. That
0: is Ryan.
4: And we can ridicule you for that, which gives us good content for the show.
1: we're here. Mitsubishi. Like if you go to look at WoW podcasts, there's all kinds of people out there who are like a name.
0: We're gonna And then there was silence. Well, that was
1: accurate.
4: Yeah, I think Ryan's actually playing his microphone. Oh, this is great. We can hear you, you're just really quiet. You in a box with Captain Martin Long? You guys are silky boys. Silk comes from the butts of Chinese worms.
0: I could probably do my Darth Vader reading
4: Portal was never released in the UK. It was banned for being... Yeah, it's just because the packaging was too orange.
0: The orange box? Oh, wow.
4: No, Steam isn't allowed either. Anything with the letters EA. Not even EA Sports over here. It's just sports.
1: (laughs) So we BS as long as possible to keep them happy.
3: Seriously? Okay,
1: that's it. I'm out of this
3: podcast. Goodbye, people. (laughs) I'll see
1: (laughs) see you on the Channel 5 News chairs.
2: I will get my torch and pitchfork and run after you.
4: Eep. You know, my wife said exactly the same thing.
1: She said, what name do you want? And I said, obviously, Nacho malgonito el Segundo. I
3: don't know. Just because he's not related to Martin Short. I don't know. That's raising my eyebrow right there. Press the paddock button.